Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here this this morning, or afternoon, or night, or whenever you're watching or listening for uh, the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is uh, Wednesday, December 20th, 2023, and our catechesis today will continue in the Gospel according to St. Luke and his account of the Nativity of our Lord. Here now with the uh, announcement of the birth of Jesus or the Christ to the shepherds. All right, and we'll get into some detail about that over the next, uh, well, today and tomorrow. Okay, let's see. Um, just to remind you, this evening we have divine service at 6.30. This is our third of our considerations of John the Baptist today, the uh, decapitation of John. <laughs> A real pleasant Advent reading, um, but I think uh, actually important for us, especially uh, for those of us going into a Christmas time that may not be exactly peaceful and charitable and loving and full of generosity uh, and joy. Um, not everyone has that kind of mm, experience, uh, especially with family and friends when it comes to Christmas Christmastide. Um, if you interact with those who reject Christ and his birth for them, and um, namely Christ's death and resurrection for their forgiveness, you'll find that there is an animosity to any talk of Jesus, um, even at Christmas time, a little baby Jesus, right? Even will pre- present, uh, well, will be presented with hostility and violence. And so uh, we'll talk about that tonight, actually. And I think that might help us uh, recognize that there are, well, uh, the faith is worth fighting for, uh, but also recognizing um, the way through, which is in faith and trusting in Jesus. Okay, but well, that's tonight. First, today, the birth of Christ announced to the shepherds. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, we pray our psalm for the week. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet, righteousness and peace kiss each other, faithfulness springs up from the ground, and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our memory verse for the day, or for the week, I should say. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Psalm 51, verse 5. Catechism, Lord's Prayer, Fifth Petition. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. What does this mean? 
We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins or deny our prayer because of them, but are we are neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them, but we ask that he would give them all to us by grace, for we daily sin much and surely deserve nothing but punishment. So we too will sincerely forgive and gladly do good to those who sin against us. And the sixth petition, and lead us not into temptation. What does this mean? God tempts no one. We pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Although we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. All right. You'll note here that uh, Luther presents, I would say, a worldview and an understanding of humanity that is contradictory to what you're told. You're told that this world can become a better place through your effort and strength, and you're also told that you can overcome um, vice and shame and guilt um, by your own actions. And in both cases, uh, Luther, rightly reflecting on the Lord's Prayer and what Jesus gives here, sees a world that can only be reformed in the forgiveness of sins that's in Jesus' name, and sin can only be overcome by the gift of the Holy Spirit working through that word. And ultimately, the overcoming of sin, death, and devil will not come until the final judgment and the new heavens and the new earth. That's a quite a different um, view or utopian view of, um, of the world, that this world is consigned to death and destruction, and what we as Christians are called to do is to live in this world but not of this world. And thus the prayer, that we continually ask that God would um, lead us to realize our sin um, and actually ask for forgiveness, and then to live in that forgiveness for one another. That's truly world-changing, congregation-changing, family-changing, but community-changing too. If instead of going around and making accusations and judgments, um, we as Christians, not not we who are in roles of, of adjudication like judge um, or even pastor, but, but rather as individual Christians that we go about forgiving sins, declaring the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. Of course, with forgiveness comes a judgment that the thing that is being forgiven is truly in need of forgiveness. That is a sin, a contrary to God's word, right? That will change um, every relationship that you're in, be it the smallest between you and your spouse or your child, um, or the largest, um, you and your relationship to um, government and world, right? Same thing with temptation, right? We think that we can escape temptation through uh, cleverly devised hacks (laughs) for life, right? Um, when what we need is God actually to reveal our sin to us, to forgive it in Jesus' name, and then um, to, to guard and keep us through his word. So a very different view of uh, both our own capacity uh, as people, but also what we're, really what God's trying to accomplish in this world or with this world. All right. Today we're going to hear um, of the visit of the angels to the shepherds. And uh, we're going to have an interesting Old Testament text to go with it here from Exodus chapter 40. We're going to read just some sections of this. You could go and read the whole chapter on your own as you have opportunity. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, On the first day of the first month you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. You shall put in it the ark of the testimony and petition off the ark with the veil. Skipping ahead, thus Moses did according to all that the Lord had commanded him, so he did. And it came to pass in the first month of the second year on the first day of the month that the tabernacle was raised up. So Moses raised up the tabernacle, fastened its sockets, set up its boards, put in its bars, and raised up its pillars. And he spread out the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent on top of it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it into the ark. 
inserted the poles through the rings of the ark and put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And he brought um, the ark into the tabernacle, hung up the veil of the covering, and partitioned off the ark of the testimony, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting, because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and the fire was over it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. All right, the key here, um, this is one of, I would say, at least two Moses stories that are pertinent to our gospel text today. Um, And here in particular, we have Moses, who is a shepherd, by the way, and uh, called to shepherd God's people Israel in particular, having previously shepherded real sheep or normal sheep um, under his father Jethro, right? So now he's shepherding God's people Israel. And you notice here as part of his shepherding, the glory of the Lord is revealed and filling the tabernacle. That is, um, God is dwelling amongst his people uh, with mercy. That is dwelling upon the mercy seat. So uh, I think this is in the background. I think the other story that we're gonna, you're going to want to consider is that with Moses and the burning bush, where the angel of the Lord is attached to the glory cloud. Um, both are um, pertinent. Mm. The glory of the Lord being uh, shining about is an indication of God's dwelling amongst his people. All right. And of course, the tabernacle you'll hear in regards to John chapter 1 on Christmas Day, where um, Jesus tabernacled amongst his people. The word became flesh and tabernacled amongst the people. All right. So our text for uh, catechesis here is from Luke chapter 2. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes or cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. All right. So um, as we talked about yesterday, it's worth reiterating today that uh, one of the uh, one of the issues with a quite familiar story like this one is that we perhaps lose some of the details. And uh, as I suggested to you on Sunday afternoon in our children's program, it's worth hmm, digging in and uh, becoming like children and asking questions, right? Um, being inquisitive and curious. All right. So, for example, um, who were the first ones to hear of Jesus's birth outside of uh, his the Holy Family, Mary and Joseph? It would be country shepherds. All right. Um, it should be, we should ask the question, why shepherds? I mentioned Moses earlier. Um, here, this is part of that um, fulfillment of both of what Zechariah sang in the Benedictus, but especially Mary sang in the Magnificat, which we heard earlier in Luke's Gospel, both of those songs, um, that he uh, exalts the poor and humbles the proud, right, in the imagination of their hearts. So shepherds uh, were poor outcasts having to deal with sheep which is kind of interesting considering how um, frequently uh, we have shepherds in the Bible. Uh, Why were they busy keeping watch over their flock? I don't think that's an immaterial detail. Um, 
reminding us of the nature of sheep so that when Jesus speaks of us being sheep and he being our shepherd, uh, we'll remember maybe these shepherds that um, sheep need to be watched or they will wander off or they will be attacked, especially at night. Right? All right, we have an angel and here the angel is not described in any kind of detail as far as wings and eyes of flame or something as the as the carol goes, right? The angel Gabriel. But um, specifically though, we do know from elsewhere in the Bible that, sh- that angels um, have no body. They're not incorporeal. They're without a body. Um, also, although they appear in a body or in bodily form, and uh, they're neither are they created beings, right? But uh, but they don't die. And then, um, but the key thing is, what does angel mean? So the etymology of the word it literally means angel just means messenger, messenger. So their work their work is to give message always. All right. Um, as I said before, then we have the uh, angel and the glory of the Lord shining about them. Now, we heard one glory story of the tabernacle from Exodus 40. Uh, but if you go back to Exodus 3, the other one would be Moses and uh, the burning bush. Yeah. And that has the angel as well. So I'll just read a little bit of that. And the angel of the Lord uh, appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. And behold, the bush was burning with fire, and the, but the bush was not consumed. Um, the Lord God called to him from the midst of the bush. All right, is it ever called the glory of God? He was afraid to look upon God. So there is certainly that. Um, but here also, what's the key detail with Moses? What's happening at the burning bush and with the with the flame, the voice out of the flame? Well, he gives a sign. Um, when you have shepherded the people out of Egypt, brought them, they shall serve God on this mountain. And he asked for a name. I am who I am. The I am is the divine names given then as well to to Moses, all right? And then you also have the rod cast down on the ground, becoming a serpent, and then picking up the serpent by the tail, etc. Probably reflecting on um, Pharaoh being the serpent here, the icon of, of the devil, all right? Of course, Moses uh, argues with the angel of the Lord, who is, uh, by the way, it just switches immediately after calling him the angel of the Lord, it's just God speaking. Um, there is no qualitative difference between God's messenger speaking and God himself speaking. Right. Same thing, by the way, goes for your shepherd pastors who speak to you um, in the Lord's name and according to the Lord's word. It's as if God himself is speaking um, to you. There is no qualitative difference, or there should not be, if he's preaching faithfully. Right? All right, uh, what does he have? Don't be afraid because I bring you good tidings, right? Or good news, or if you prefer, gospel, right? Which will result in joy. Um, and it's not just for you, but it's for all people, poor shepherds. Um, sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, the, the whole bunch, all right? So you already hear that from the angel here. Um, and the content of the good tidings for all people is verse 11. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. A Savior was born in the city of David. Um, note here, we have the title Christ used, which uh, Hebrew for that is Messiah, means the same thing. Christ or Messiah means the same thing, and it means anointed one. So it's worthy to remember um, who gets anointed. Uh, think First Samuel, David is anointed by, by Samuel. Um, think Exodus 40, priests like Aaron are anointed with oil again. Um, and also think Isaiah 61, which I think we hear at Christmas time, don't we? Mm, we hear 64. Do we hear 61? Here we go. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Right, And this also has feeding of the flocks. It seems um, Isaiah 61 and Luke chapter 2 
um, specifically the call of the shepherds, um, go together. Mm. All right, so we have kings, uh, priests, and prophets, right? Like Isaiah. All right. Um, and then, of course, that's the truth. That's the gospel truth, the good tidings. But attached to that word of promise, of truth, is a sign, right? This is often true. So a sacramental sign. How are we going to, where are you going to find this child? How are you going to recognize him? Wrapped in swaddling clothes first and lying in a manger, just as we heard yesterday, uh, earlier part. I mean, we talked about um, perhaps uh, what that is a sign of, of course, is of his suffering and death for the forgiveness of sins, which is how he saves us, right? From sin, death, and devil. So the promise attached to the sign then is, in specific, he's the Lord, that is God, but he's also a babe, a man, who came to save us from our sins. God has become flesh, man, has taken on human flesh to save us from our sins. We have similar signs in the church today, of course. Um, water attached to a promise, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which gives us um, forgiveness, um, new life, and salvation, right? Um, of course, the sign of bread and wine, to which God says, this is my body and this is my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. You can also attach um, a sign, the sign of God's speaking to you, um, in the word of absolution proclaimed by the one whom God has sent. So the, the preaching office is... Uh, another sign where God has attached a promise, right? When he says, uh, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them, surely, and teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, the preaching office, right? And it, by that, the Lord promises, I will be with you always until the end of the age, right? So words of promise attached to signs. Uh, by the way, this is the response to um, the common expression that I know that Jesus dwells in my heart. I always ask how. How are you sure that's not just heartburn, <laughs> right? Um how do we know that Jesus dwells in our hearts? We don't look to ourselves for proof of that. We look to the external word, that God's word is, is proclaimed to us, that we were baptized in Jesus' name, that he still comes to us, feeding us with his uh, body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. Those signs being absent is a sign of God's uh, judgment against his people. Right? Remember, we talked about this two weeks ago on Wednesday night and how torturous it was for the first century believers to not have a prophet speaking to them. God had not spoken to them for 400 years until from Malachi until um, John the Baptist came. Right? So you, you would begin to doubt, has God actually forgotten us? Does he still dwell in us? Of course, he does as long as his word is preserved amongst us. All right, and then um, after the, the gospel message is proclaimed, what great company join in? This happens every divine service for us too, the saints and the angels, right? So as we say in the proper preface, Therefore, with saints and angels and the whole host of heaven, the whole Sabaoth host, um, host of God, that is the angel host, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, and around the altar, all believers gathered in the sanctuary, but indeed all believers past, present, and future, as well as, well as all the angel hosts, sing out glory to God in the highest and peace on earth amongst whom his people dwells. Holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth, right? The, uh, the song of praise from Isaiah. Here it's, um, the glory in excelsis, which is the same sort of proclamation, but but from uh, the service of the word. Right? And of course, um, they declare glory to God in the highest. No problem there. God is glorious. Right? A lot of people com confess that. Even those who don't believe in Jesus confess their God is glorious. But how is he glorious, right? How does he make his glory known? With peace, right? And what kind of peace are we talking about here? Peace between uh, mankind. All I'm saying is give peace a chance. Or uh, um, so you say it's Christmas. Right, and I, unfortunately, John Lennon is big in my ears. <laughs> Can't help but get him out. Uh, no, it's peace between God and men. Right, 
So just as we saw in the fifth petition earlier when we were confessing from our catechism, forgive us our trespasses, that's peace between God and man, as we forgive those who trespass against us. So the peace of God is given to us first in proper order and then works its way out in peace towards one another. So it's no wonder that nations cannot forgive nations because these nations do not live in the forgiveness of sins. So there can be no peace, no true abiding peace. And this is the only way to reconcile, and we'll talk about this this evening, and to reconcile friends and family who are at conflict is in the peace of sins forgiven, to forgive one another. And not just uh, personally, like in your prayers, um, but also um, say the words, I forgive you in the name of Jesus. Or please forgive me, for I have sinned against you. Forgive me in Jesus' name, right? Ask for forgiveness too. Um, also can bring reconciliation that way. And this is God's goodwill uh, toward men, right? His grace and favor in sending his son to forgive sins and to restore um, creation for us in that forgiveness. As I said, this is the song or the canticle we sing with saints and angels in the service of the word there. It's called the Gloria in Excelsis, um, which is probably one of the few Latin names that nobody has any problem with because we sing it in the hymn. Glory. It's the same thing. Uh, it would be actually, oh, I didn't even think to do that. On Christmas Day, that would have been a good hymn to sing for the Gloria, angels we have heard on high. Um, but we're singing a different Gloria. Can't remember which one we're going to sing. All right, but I've already already uh, chose it and also printed, so too late. Maybe next time. By the way, as I said, there's been many shepherds in the Bible. It seems like almost every major character in um, in the scriptures, whether from Abel, Adam and Eve's son, um, a- Abraham, Moses, David, all of those in the Old Testament was a shepherd. Just as Moses, the shepherd, was out grazing his flocks when he saw the burning bush and heard the announcement of God's gracious deliverance, so these shepherds were out keeping their flocks when the glory of the Lord shone around them. As the angel of the Lord spoke to Moses, so he spoke to these shepherds to bring them peace in the midst of their fear. Good news is a specific message that the Lord has been born as a baby in Bethlehem. God has become man to save us from our sins and from the long night of death. As the Lord once firmly joined himself to the flesh of a child, now he firmly joins himself to bread and wine, that we might receive his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. In the sign, we find the reality of the blessing, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So now the church throughout the world will gather on Christ's mass to be fed on Christ's body and blood, united through the word to the signs of bread and wine for the forgiveness of sins through peace on earth. All right, let's sing uh, the first few stanzas of our hymn, When All the World Was Cursed. Sing him. Ha- 
Jordan's rolling stream, a new Elijah born, he testified of him, of whom the prophets told. Okay. Uh, today we do have a commemoration, uh, but before we do that, uh, Don, you need to note there in the chat um, <laughs> what, what you mean by at St. Nixon Sheboygan, all right? I'm uh, just curious. All right, but while, while you do that, today our commemoration is, oh, we missed yesterday. Yesterday was Adam and Eve. Oh, I thought we didn't have a commemoration yesterday. All right, well, today is um, our day that we remember and give thanks to God for the beloved wife of Martin Luther. Katerina von Bora Luther. Katerina von Bora was placed as a five-year-old child into the keeping of the Benedictines for education. When she was nine, she moved to a Cistercian foundation where her mother's sister also was cloistered. Like many other nuns at the time, Katerina heard of and grew quite interested in the spreading reform movement in Germany. In 1523, she conspired with several of her sister nuns, wrote to Luther, and begged his assistance in obtaining their release. Easter of that year, Luther arranged for a fish merchant who made deliveries at the monastery to hide the sisters among his empty barrels. Thus, the nuns made their escape and arrived in Wittenberg. Luther tried to restore them to their families, but most declined to take them back. Over the next two years, Luther arranged marriages for all of them except for Katerina. A number of men were interested in her, but she had declined them all. She finally disclosed to Nicholas von Amsdorf that she'd only marry him or Luther. <laughs> Luther, still believing that he would likely be martyred, had never seriously contemplated marriage. Yet Katerina's persistence finally paid off. In June of 1525, they were married. He was 41 and she was 26. Since married clergy had not existed in the West for centuries, Luther and his wife set the pattern for what would become the Protestant parsonage. Together they lived in what was the former monastery of the Augustinians in Wittenberg, a gift to the Luthers from Elector John. Katerina proved to be a wise household manager and quite industrious in her own right. The Lord blessed them with six live births. They sadly lost two children, one at but eight months and the other at age 13. Their family circle, however, also included four orphans that they, whom they adopted. You don't usually hear about that, do you? Throughout their marriage, they demonstrated a respectful and playful relationship with each other. Katerina always called Martin Herr Doctor. She worried about her husband's poor health, and he teased her on that account, inviting her to trust instead in the Lord. When Luther died, she experienced a great deal of financial hardship. During the small Caldic War, her property was laid waste. She did receive some support from those who gratefully remembered her husband's service to the church. Katerina died in 1552, having fled to Torgau due to the plague in Wittenberg. Her final words were reportedly, I'll stick to Christ like a burr to a cloth. Mm, lovely. We pray, O God, our refuge and our strength, you raised your up your servant Katerina to support her husband in the task to reform and renew your church in the light of your word. Defend and purify the church today and grant that through faith we may boldly support and encourage our pastors and teachers of the faith as they proclaim and administer the riches of your grace made known in Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. All right. Uh, and as Don says, Len's having a colonoscopy. All right. So, uh, well, we'll keep Len in our prayers. He's already in our prayers uh, for recovery from his surgery. So there you go. All right, let's pray our collect for the week. Lord Jesus Christ, we implore you to hear our prayers and to lighten the darkness of our hearts by your gracious visitation. 
For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for marriage and family, that husbands and wives, parents and children live in ordered harmony according to the Word of God. For parents who must rear their children alone, for our communities and neighborhoods, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray this day in Thanksgiving with uh, Robert and Aaron, both celebrating their birthday, with the households of our church, especially that of Matt and Vicki, Wendell and Amy, uh, Katrina, Dwayne and Pam, Dan and Liz, Martin and Tara. Pray for our catechumens, Wyatt, James, Aaliyah, Cole, Lydia, Charlie, Kaylee, and Kimberly. All those who are sick, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Ralph, Allison, Joe, Dennis, there's Len, Christopher, Sophie, Brad, and Ron, Carol, Doug, Donna, Joan, Sandy, Owen, Wendell, and Merlin, Jolene, and President Willie. Pray for our homebound, Marcy, Dan, Lenore, Paul, Dolores, Merlin, and Pauline. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially that of a place of refuge. And we pray for those grieving, especially the family and friends of Walt. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, that's our congregation of prayer for today, Wednesday, December 20th, 2023. Again, reminder, we have divine service tonight at 630, uh, and we'll say uh, farewell to John for the season, and uh, in one way or another. That was kind of a really terrible pun. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, And uh, we have a meal beforehand, so join us at 530. I know my family's doing the main dish, and others are going to contribute. Even if you didn't sign up, feel free to come. Uh, Just bring a little something to share. That's fine. Um, even or if you can't that's fine too all right and uh, have some time for fellowship before divine service okay so with that i uh, bid you fond farewell we'll see you tonight we thank you for listening to this podcast from saint john evangelical lutheran church sherman center in random lake wisconsin if this podcast is of benefit to you please consider supporting the work of saint john by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org that's stjohnrandomlake.org slash support and give today.